This chapter six, strength of emotion, um, and we're going to start with love today. So, just a quick recap: um, what this topic talks about is <coughs> the different emotions that one has. We have many emotions, but we take up a few main emotions and we discuss it. But the main, uh, the main, main thing here is that. We shouldn't act on emotions. Why shouldn't we act on emotions? <coughs> Led by the mind. Led by the mind. It can destroy you. We gave some examples. Like we said, a lot of Shakespeare's plays are based on that, where it destroys a person due to acting on emotions. King Lear, we talked about. You have to control the emotions of the mind with your intellect. Use your emotions, but don't become emotional. When you're using the emotions, using the intellect to control it. When you become emotional, there's no control. You can't think clearly if your emotions take over. Only humans have the capacity to control their emotions because we've been given the gift of the intellect. Animals don't have this. <clears throat> a dog doesn't know my owners have gone away on holiday for two weeks they'll be back he's upset for the ne for next two weeks he has no idea you can't do, you can't explain it to him he acts on emotions this is what separates us from all other creatures so why don't we make use of it and live a better life if you don't it's like driving a car without a steering wheel or a boat without a rudder. You can't, there's no control. This is how your life will be if you act just on emotions. Don't become a victim of your emotions. When you're emotional, you do things, act in certain ways that you regret later. You can even kill someone. Crimes of passion. You lost his sanity for a moment and killed somebody. That's just another form of uncontrolled emotion. I didn't know what I was doing. It just happened. The rest of your life is finished. Many examples. Emotions are in the mind. Intellect reasons, judges, thinks. They should not be clouded by your emotions. The mind has many different emotions, ranging from pure, impure, gross, and subtle. Pure emotions are based on? Can you remember? What's pure emotions? So is that not based 
from the intellect. What? Pure emotions. No, we're just discussing what pure <coughs> emotions are. Pure, pure emotions are unselfish emotions. Your thoughts are not only on yourself, but thinking of others. What can I give? How can I serve? These are pure thoughts. The wider the circle of your identification, the more pure are your emotions. So impure emotions satisfies only your self-interest, self-centered interest. This is just a recap from what we studied last week. Excessive emotions that are self-centered, so you're highly selfish, it can be like poison. It can destroy you. So we're not saying emotions are bad, they're beautiful, but and they're make they're part of your makeup. This is what makes us humans. Feelings, love, kindness, charity, pity, these are all wonderful emotions. What we're saying is to be in control of them. Don't let them control you. Don't let them control your life. Use your emotions. Any clarifications? So if we're thinking of devotion that comes from the mind, um, so I'm assuming that that's a pure emotion, mm. but we can be stuck within that, can't we? Mm. So is mm. no. So is it okay to be stuck with that? Is, is, at least it's a pure emotion? Well, it depends if the intellect is guiding that emotion. It may be pure, but if you're stuck there and you're uncontrolling in a trance just through that emotion towards the divinity, yeah, and you have no other control of anything else, then... So, remember we said last week, anything pure, let's say it's beyond the world to something higher, is also a pure emotion. Yeah. Anything worldly, you can say it's unpure emotion. There's another right. side to it. We just talked about selfish and unselfish. But also, devotion, if it's uncontrolled, it may not be selfish, because you're thinking about it, but if you're not controlling it, then it can also take over you. Any other questions on emotions? All we, all we need to understand is you have emotions, keep them under control. Don't let them control you. You know when you're not in control of them. You do things, you say things which you don't, which you don't mean. We've all been there. When they're controlled, you're thinking before you're talking. You're thinking before you're acting. You can be angry at a child but you understand I have to be angry. If I'm not, it could be detrimental to what he has done or she has done. That is controlled. If you just go into a rage, the child doesn't learn, doesn't understand. It becomes fearful. So keep in control of your emotions. Use your emotions. Don't let them use control you. And the other point is, anything any emotion going directed towards an unselfish act is pure. Anything that is selfish 
is impure. Yeah, just remember that. Hemel? Clear? Anyway, we're going to talk more in detail. So, um, we're going to read a portion on just another love. First paragraph. <coughs> love is being in harmony with one another. Love means realizing your identity. Sorry, just slower. Slower, a bit louder. <laughs> Sorry. Your oneness with beings. To regard them as you would the different parts of your physical body. Every part of your body is dear to you. You look at it, look after it as your whole being. Be it your fingers or your toes or your eyes or your ears. So must you feel and realize the unity with your fellow beings. Your oneness with the entire universe, that is love. A feeling that helps you maintain a perfect harmony with the world. You then live in peace and bliss. And if you lack the feeling of oneness, consider yourself separate and distinct from the rest. You would fall out of harmony with the world. You deprive yourself of this great emotion of love and live a life of suffering and sorrow. That is the law. So, true love. We, we covered this paragraph <coughs> last week, but it's better to start fresh. So, true love is what? What's true love? Feeling of oneness with all beings. All, all beings, all animals, the whole world, the entire universe. So love is nothing but <coughs> identification. Love everyone like you love yourself. It says love everyone like you love different parts of your body. They're beautiful. Oh, your fingers are beautiful as well. <laughs> That's identification. How, why, how, what, how can you ultimately identify in this way? How can you have universal love? What's the way of um, increasing our circle of identification? Where you can, I mean, this statement says, love everyone everybody like you love yourself. How can you do that? You identify with the self within. Okay, identify with the self. Does everyone understand that, Drew? Identify with the self. Hmm? Atman, Brahman. You are not this body, mind and intellect. You are the self. Now that's a fleeting statement to everyone. So if you love the self in you, what is the difference between you and anybody else? It's because we identify with the body, the body, the mind, intellect, that we're not able to identify with the oneness. So this is universal love. This comes as we understand the subject. We understand life, we understand the world, how everything functions. It's a gradual identification. It takes time. You have to put effort into it. That's why in, in, on, in this subject, <coughs> they highlight the fact that you need to become unselfish. Because the minute there's selfishness, there's no identification. You have to learn to become unselfish, which is gradual. 
the key. See, right now, we cannot identify with itself. That's why we need to put in effort to understand. Love is universal. Some great, great scientist said, animals are my friends, I don't eat my friends. The statement, a great scientist said that. I can't remember if it was um, Einstein. Is it vegetarian? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Animals are my friends. I don't eat my friends. Identification. <coughs> you wouldn't eat a friend, would you? <coughs> so when you are able to identify with all your fellow beings in this way, this is true love. You are one with the world. In harmony with the world, you live a happy, peaceful life. Nothing will agitate you. Everybody is part of you. When you feel different from others, then you deprive yourself of pure love and you suffer. This is a law. Universal law. You compare yourself to others. Who gets agitated? <laughs> Somebody cuts you off while driving. Who gets agitated? Somebody else did the action. You didn't learn to drive properly. You didn't have a good teacher. <coughs> Instead of getting angry, you can say, he didn't have a good teacher. Who, who, I don't know who passed this, made him pass this test. Or maybe he's having a bad day. But you blow up, then somebody, somebody else has pressed your buttons. So these different emotions, we all have them. But what is the texture, the quality of these emotions that we possess? So even in this emotion, love, for example, there's so many different qualities, different textures of love. You say, I love my child. I love my husband, my wife. I love my parents. I love my car, my job, my house, <coughs> my friend. You're using the same word love, but the quality of the, this emotion is different depending on the direction. You don't have the same love and affection you have towards your child as you do to your job. Or the same love, affection you have to your partner as do to your, to your friend. So these are the different textures of the emotion. We're just, eva we're just evaluating, yeah? Because we use this word love in all different ways. But we've never actually analyzed what this word means. So ultimately we're saying pure love is identification with all the universe, all beings. But now we're breaking it down to how we actually use this word love. Is everyone clear with that?
quality of this emotion is different depending on its direction. <coughs> the concept of love has been totally distorted. What people call as love is far from true. What the world understands as love is personal, preferential attachment. Attachment binds you, makes you dependent upon the object or being of your attachment, leads you to your downfall. Little wonder people say you have fallen in love. You must give up this clinging, selfish, personal attachment, which passes off as love, and develop the true form of love. A perfect human being is all love. You observe it in the child. A child is an embodiment of love. It has no motive, no desire, no personal attachment. It is not being a lover, but it is love itself. Everyone is drawn towards it. The whole world adores the child. You must learn to follow the example of the child. Give up your selfishness. Get rid of preferential relationship. Dissolve personal attachment. Rise above egocentric motive and desire. You thus merge with the fundamental element of love. You become the centre of attraction in the world. A magnetic personality, a true human being. Thereafter, goodness flows out of you to the rest of the world. Those who mean to serve the world would well to develop such purity of love. So what is the difference between love and attachment? So we're now dis discussing love in more detail. We all think we love each other, our partners. We're going to find out what do we mean by when we say we love our partners, or our family members, or our friend. What does it mean? What is the difference between love and attachment? Attachment, where you're very, very dependent on them, and if they weren't there, you'd be suffering. <coughs> so, can you repeat that? I said, if they, your, the attachment would be, if they weren't there, <coughs> you'd be suffering, you'd get agitated. Okay. So, you're very dependent on them. You're dependent on them, okay. Anybody else? Also, they in love and attachment. Just someone said you're dependent on them. True? And I guess selfishness, because they're yours, or you wouldn't be able to do anything without them. You won't be able to do anything without them. Okay. It's the idea that you're attached as long as you do what I want you to do, but the moment that you don't, get agitated and therefore I no longer love you or okay. yep. it's the minus it's mine yeah perfect while it serves you you love them okay, while then they don't automatically becomes hatred very quickly doesn't it really? <laughs> Is attachment good? No, you shouldn't become attached to anything. That's no, you shouldn't. Absolutely. <coughs> so let's discuss what the difference is. Then we can all then think about if you love or you or you're attached. This is your own personal thoughts. The difference. When love is polluted with selfishness, 
It is attachment. So I don't have my thing today, the board, but love plus selfishness is attachment. Thanks. Oops, sorry. It's falling apart. Okay, just hold this one up, it's fine. Just hold that one up. Love plus selfishness is attachment. Attachment minus selfishness is love. All made a <laughs> Yeah? When love is polluted with selfishness, it is attachment. When attachment is rid of selfishness, it becomes pure love. So attachment is preferential. <coughs> selfishness. Love is universal. <coughs> I love everyone. That's pure, unselfish. I love only Indians. Okay, I like British people as well, but not the French. Preferential. If you love me, then I love you. One minute we're so much in love, we caught the person, get married, have children. Then something happens, you're looking at divorcing the person, you hate that person. Why? If it's pure love, universal love, then that would never happen. <coughs> you no longer cater to each other's needs. So it's not pure love. It may have started as love, <coughs> but it very quickly turned to attachment. Even if kid, with kids, if they don't do what you tell them, some parents stop showing affection, love. Some even disown them. Doesn't it? Get out. You don't listen to me, get out. You don't cater to me, get out. So is that love? You have to marry this person from our community or whatever. My friend's daughter, I've decided. You must become a doctor, engineer. I'm a doctor, my father was a doctor, you need to become a doctor. You can't make a child do something against his Swadharma. Okay, if not, you're not my child. My child would listen to me. <coughs> Many examples. Attachment. You cater to me, I love you. The minute you don't cater to me, you know, I don't love you. Now you can apply this to any scenario. I'm just giving you a direct example of a child. Or you can, any scenario you can. That's the difference between love and attachment. So you know when families have a row and they don't talk to each other, that's attachment, isn't it? Because they're not catering to each other's needs. See, 
row is it's not difficult. It could be misunderstanding, it could be, it could be anything, you know, disagreement. But if you understand that we all love each other, there is pure love there, there will be disagreements simply because we're different people. But if you're agitated by it, and you are then, un your conditioning of love to that person is reduced, then that's attachment. Regardless of what argument ever you have, you still have that pure love towards that person. Hard, isn't it? Yeah, because it's like loads of families where they just don't talk to each other. Yeah. Because something or another has happened and it goes on and on for years and years. So it's like. He didn't listen to me, he didn't do this when I told him to, therefore. I'm not going to be his friend. No identification. They don't understand this person. His Swadharma is different, cause and effect is different, so much differences. But I, don't, I understand that the self in him is the same self in me, regardless of how his actions are, then there's no issues. You may decide not to associate yourself with that person, but it doesn't mean you hate that person. It's when love turns to hate, you get agitated. Remember, affection, uh, attachment is selfishness from your side. The greater the attachment, the greater the torture. <coughs> the greater the attachment, the greater the torture. Not only beings, it could be uh, objects as well. My car. scratched it, someone dented it. The more you attach to that object, the more pain you will get. The same with pets as well. Yeah. Because I can really attach to the dog and then it's like when the dog dies, they just like come. Yeah. You understand, a lot, dog has a life of 13, 14 years. Mm. It's gonna happen, isn't it? But the strong attachment, Dog naturally dies, served you well, but lack of understanding, you suffer for the next six months. Every time you see a dog, you start crying. It's lack of understanding. You're torturing yourself unnecessarily. This is what we're saying. Love frees you, attachment binds you. When you're attached, you suffer. Why do you suffer? You suffer. Yet again, you're putting your feelings or happiness in there. Opposite. That minus. Yeah, that minus. Whatever happens to that person, object happens to you. I can't live without you. That's what people say, isn't it? It's meant to be romantic. Eh? <laughs> I can't live without you. 
I'll die. Life ain't worth living now. It's gone. He was only 95. <laughs> <laughs> huh, Bella? <laughs> the attachment. You know, in some communities, they actually celebrate. You reach 95, they have a party. Yeah, they celebrate his life. You know, they call it the wake. They all have drinks, and they think about all the good things that he did, his nature, how he was. That's right way. That's why people say, I've fallen in love. Why not rise in love, they say. <laughs> Why well, have to fall in love? <laughs> That's attachment. <coughs> That's rise in love. When you rise in love, you start loving everyone. When you fall in love, it's preferential attachment. So he gives an example. A small child, everyone is drawn to. Why? Why small? Is, is here a baby here, three, four years old? Why? Why? Everyone is drawn to innocence. Innocence. They're not very preferential at that time. No, no preferential. Anyone can pick up the baby, play with it, cuddle, cuddle it. No issues. No attachment. No selfishness. It loves everyone. As it gets older, it develops attachment. You're not my mummy. <laughs> so if you develop true love, then like the child, everyone is drawn to you. Child has universal love at that time because it doesn't understand. Just like that, you can develop that true love. Krishna was adored by everyone. Universal love. Only people who were selfish didn't get on with him. When you see Krishna Bhagavan, only people who were selfish didn't get on with him. Everyone else were drawn to him. True love. He loved everyone. Christ, no hatred. Everyone was drawn to him. Love thy neighbor. That's what it means. Universal love. Love is giving. Attachment is taking. <coughs> Selfishness. Pure love binds. It becomes stronger. Attachment, separation. There's a very thin line. This is what we're saying. There's a very thin line. He didn't bring many flowers. It's Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My mama says every day is a Valentine's Day. So what do you need, especially on Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> 
you get flowers every day. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. If every day is Valentine's, we don't need anything. <laughs> but I've just taken you to Vegas for a week. Got your side, yeah. Doesn't matter. It's Valentine's Day. Do you bring me any flowers? It's okay. I know you love me. What's flowers? Works both ways, by the way, yeah? The more you attach to an object, the greater the bondage. You're attached to money. You cannot spend it. Money doesn't bring you happiness. When does money give you happiness? Even though it's fake happiness. When does money give you happiness? It. When you exchange it for something, when you spend it, when you part with it, then it gives you happiness. Then it might bring some joy. So in other words, in life you have to be detached. You cannot be attached to anything. The attachment, you can't spend the money. You've all heard the saying, marriage is a temple resting on two pillars when they come too close, the temple collapses. Keep a distance. Become too close. It's okay to spend time separate for a bit. They say it makes the love, the heart grow fonder, isn't it? That's what that's saying. So what we're saying here is that feelings, love we're talking about, it needs to be controlled. We have to understand what we're doing, what we're saying, how we're acting. You have to have an understanding. You can't just give love, you can't just discriminately give as, as well. You have to have some thinking behind it. Okay, now I have universal love towards everyone. People think, oh, this guy's gone mad. Let's take advantage of him. Okay, can I have your car? Yeah, yeah, I love everyone. Take my car. <laughs> <laughs> you, the self, I'm the self. What difference does it make if you drive or I drive? <laughs> That's taking it to absurdity. So, what we're saying is that we have to use our emotions, understanding, but we also have to control our emotions. So how would you practice that in everyday life? You have, you have feelings towards everyone and every you identify <coughs> with that. But if, you're, if the other person is at the same state, same level as you are with their identification, that's fine. But if you know that person is a selfish person, you know that you could easily be taken advantage of. That doesn't mean you hate that person or not love that person, but you're, you're more um, aware of different people when they say, I love you, or you're my best friend. You understand, well, you know what? Um, yeah, we are friends, but I've got to be careful because it's quite selfish. That doesn't mean you hate them. 
It's been able to understand different people's personality. You love their, per their self is within them and you identify with that. But doesn't mean you actually give away everything and give all your feelings and emotions to that person. They may not be able to handle it. They may, they may take advantage of it. Your partner may not, may not understand. I'm just going out with these two boys or two girls out for dinner. What are you talking about? A self. Them is the same as me. What's the difference? <laughs> Universal love I'm experiencing. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> you get a couple of slaps. <laughs> and I go to that classes on Sunday and this, and this, this misdirecting is in the wrong way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to have an understanding of these emotions. You have to be able to control these emotions. Use the emotions. Because you have to act in the world and there are laws in the world, and you have to be careful. Detach, you gain. Attach, you lose. That's a law. Lose meaning, you can lose that object or being because of that attachment, the strong attachment. I can't live without you. I'll do anything for you. Don't leave me. How long are you going away for? Three days. <laughs> What would I do without you for three days? Strong attachment. The person becomes, I can't live with this person anymore. I can't take it. And there's some being strangled, suffocated. These are the words, kind of terms people use, isn't it? Extreme attachment. So you, you lose that object or being that you're attached to. They can't handle it. The difference is you want something from somebody. They don't want to give it to you because they are selfish. Therefore, the partnership is broken. They don't cater to your needs. It's that simple, isn't it? Okay. You expect something, they don't give it, partnership is broken. They give it, partnership is still strong. Love is giving, not taking. Love and attachment is opposite to each other. <coughs> so at work, how do you practice that with people at work? You identify them as work colleagues, but you understand, you assess each person's nature. You don't hate anyone. No. Because if you know this person is selfish, is always hate, pinching my coffee, bags or whatever, tea bags or whatever. Every time she t that person takes something from you, you get agitated, then it's a lack of assessment. You have to work with that person. You understand this is the person. You might go out and buy a, a box of tea bags for them and say, you know what, this is for you. Then who, you're not agitated any time, every time they take it. <laughs> assessment. <laughs> assessment. <laughs> That's that you're practicing love, though. 
You're giving, and who's benefiting? No agitation. But every time you, she takes you, you agitate it. So that's one way of practice. That's just the idea that came up. You can expand that. But it's assessing. You love them. Yeah? Not in the same way as, as we said, there are many different textures of love. You love them as a person, as you love your parts of your body. But that doesn't mean you stop assessing that person. That's you using the intellect. That's the difference. Your bond will become stronger. By you giving, your bond is becoming stronger. She may turn around and help you with some when you need. Love and attachment are opposed to each other. Attachment is perversion of love. Attachment to an object or being <coughs> generates an aversion to, to other objects and beings. When you're preferentially fond of anybody, you distance yourself from the rest. That is a fact of life. A child has no such attachment. Its love is all-embracing. But when the child grows up into a young man, he falls in love. Now being attached to his lady love, he develops a preferential relationship with her. To that extent, he turns indifferent towards others. Parents, brothers, sisters, and the rest become a burden on him. He segregates himself from them. True love is lost. All that he desires craves for his beloved. Everyone else, everything else, means nothing to him. He finds them all insipid, detestable. People call that love. In truth, it endangers, engenders hatred. So when the Vedanta cries out to give up love, it means give up the hatred, inclusive love and not exclusive attachment is the unfoldment of heaven. So attachment and love are opposite to each other. Most people don't know the difference. Some of you now, today, have learned the difference. You may have not understood what love and attachment was before. So most people are ignorant of this fact. They think attachment is love. So people think they love someone, but it's actually attachment. You love them when that person caters to you. The minute they stop catering to your needs, you fall out with each other. Attachment causes agitations, misery. So when you're now, for the young people, I don't know how true is the only one, the young person in here, new relationships, it's a good way of bonding, understanding, isn't it? We're young, if we knew, knew this, we would, have, we would have behaved differently. We have stronger bonds. <coughs> Love is giving. Attachment is taking. Now, if we knew that before we got into a relationship, how would a relationship be? 
So preferential love, you distance yourself from other beings. So it gives an example. A child loves everyone. We, we gave the example. There's no preferential attachment, correct? But as the child grows up, meets a partner, they develop preferential relationship with that partner. And because of this, the family are, to a certain extent, alienated. Meaning the relationship changes. If you disapprove of the relationship, what happens? You're alienated. Your child goes after somebody you say, no, that person's not right for you. Who's, who are they going to give up, you or the, or the partner? Hmm? You think the partner? <laughs> <laughs> They'll give everyone up. When you have universal love, it is the unfoldment of heaven. Peace of mind, meaning you're always happy, no agitations, you, you have no expectations from anyone. You understand everyone's acts based on their swadharma. Who am I to expect anything from anyone? Whatever I can do, I'll do, but everyone has to live their own life in their way. Doesn't mean you don't guide them, but they may not listen. Especially all the parents here, they may not listen. They have to go for some people, a lot of people, they have to go for that experience to understand or learn. Learn from They have to learn from the experiences. Yeah. Somebody in these young, young people, they elope at 16, 17, by 20 to early 20s, they're finished especially in the um, English community. But we had the pressure. <laughs> Up to 15, 20 years ago, never, no one's ever heard of divorce in Asian families. In India, still. <coughs> so, taboo. That's why we all stuck together. So Swamiji says in the uh, US there's a 70% divorce rate. So he says, you know why the other 30% is not divorcing? Because they're Indians. <laughs> 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 it's not in the culture. So when you have universal love, unfoldment of heaven. <coughs> what is heaven and hell? What do you say? It's not geography places. What is heaven and hell? State, State of, of mind. State of mind. When you're in heaven, you're happy, you're peaceful. When you're in hell, <coughs> your mind is agitated, worried. So universal love brings you happiness. And that's what everyone's looking for. So we're evaluating life and what we have to go through in life. Last paragraph, I think. 
When you attach to any object or being, you suffer from the sorrows thereof. Parents attached to their children are ever agitated. They're troubled with worry and anxiety through their lifetime. If you're attached to the new carpet in your home, you feel miserable when someone walks in with wet feet. When you're attached to your car, a dent in its body is a pain in your heart. You must therefore transform this unilateral passion into universal adoration. Develop a unison with the world, which is unison with God. A true spiritual master has attained that capacity. He lives like anyone else in his home or society, but his mind is not confined to his individual unit. He meticulously carries out his obligatory duty and responsibility. Yet his mind remains ever unattached, pure and loving. Follow the footprints of such great souls. Give up your petty attachments. Harbor pure love. You then become a source of peace and bliss to humanity. The experience of love and expression of this feeling seems to emerge initially with your partner, your child. You perhaps did not experience it as clearly until you raised a family. Having generated this noble feeling of love, do not restrict it, confine it to the family unit. Let the rays of your attentive affection radiate all over. Your fondness permeate every being. Your love pervade the flora and fauna, hills and valleys, and fill up the entire universe. Your home, therefore, should be the center and not the boundary of your affection. <coughs> love every, everything. Fauna, hills, mountains. So, uh, Swami Tapavan, his uh, wandering in the Himalayas, he liked to wander on his own. And when he talks about his experience, so much love, devotion, because of his environment. He's seeing the environment and it's bringing out so much love and devotion from within. Just by being within that environment. Sees a hill and says, wow, Brahman. Sees the snow. He, feel, he feels the devotion. And that's an identification of his saying. Fauna, hills and valleys. He preferred to being on his own. So whatever happens to the object or being, happens to you. If you're attached, someone scratches your car, it's like someone scratched you. <coughs> so ultimately, if you're attached, you suffer. In life, we find most people attached to everything. Any form of attachment, there is only sorrow. We start a family, we're attached. Start a business, we are attached to the business. You earn money, you are attached to the money. Your reputation, you're attached to the reputation. What did he say about me? Do you know who I am? All this produced sorrow, and so we get stressed out. So how do we overcome attachment? How do we develop this universal love? Hmm? Unselfish. Unselfish. <coughs> Through knowledge, understanding of life, which is what we're doing now. 
you start to develop universal love. But as it says, you don't attach yourself, but you, but you go about fulfilling your responsibility and obligation. Yeah, absolutely. By doing that, you're not attached because you're not being affected, but you are still fulfilling the life. Yes. You're bringing up the child, you're telling them, you're guiding yep. them, you're saying with your partner. You understand, you try and understand. <laughs> Step back and reflect. Yeah. You see, this is the understanding of life that everyone has their place, everyone has their purpose. You're fulfilling your role as a father, as a partner, as a business colleague, whatever. But you understand, this is my role and I'm playing that role. Everyone has a role to play. I can, I, I'm going to try and play my role the best I can. That is it. People have expectations, but you can't fulfill everyone's expectations. Why should you suffer if someone wants to have expectations from you? Why should you suffer? So this attachment, this gives an example. Child is born to a parents. What do you say? <coughs> it's my son, my daughter. It starts there. On what basis do you claim they are mine? Just because you believe it's come from you, you give it that label that it's my son, my daughter. But has it come from you? No, it hasn't. Has it come <coughs> from you? Biologically, it's you. So let's discuss that a bit more detail. <laughs> so it's your responsibility. On what basis do you claim they are mine? That minus is the problem. That possessiveness that creates attachment. So the word here is minus. You're saying this is mine. Let's see, how is it mine? You say, well, I produced the child. How did you produce the child? So if you analyze, the sperm produced the child. Did you produce, manufacture the sperm? It's the food. I ate, you ate the food that manufactured the sperm, isn't it? Did you produce the food? You say, yeah, it's grown in my garden. <laughs> Did you push the carrot, the potato out of the earth? <coughs> what is your role? Zero. You didn't create the earth, the vegetables, the food, the hunger within you the digestive juices that digest the food that created the sperm that you haven't created the urge to plant the sperm in the woman then after that it grows in the womb of the mother you have nothing to do with it then even the child is born it's a miracle and as soon as it's born you say my child <laughs> just discussing it in detail the absurdity of it <clears throat> it's an insane statement. You have no role to play and you get attached. You want the child to behave how you want. 
Es füllt was dort. We label as mine. Car, you buy, is mine. You attach to it. Three years later, new model comes out. Oh, take that one. I don't want that one. New model's out. Where's the minus gone? Child looks, looks after you, caters to you. Yes, this is my son. The minute he leaves you, you know what? I can't believe we gave birth to this kind of child. Instantly. So your role is let me learn to develop myself, let me become the best human being I can. Let me eliminate my <coughs> hatred within. Expand love from the family unit to gradually all beings. This is universal love. Understanding that everything is the self. Any form of attachment is bad for you. It's mental bondage. mental bondage to a person or object. It's like you tying yourself to this chair, you tie yourself to this chair, and then you tie your chair to this table, and you go, when you go around, you have to take these things with you, wherever you go. Similarly, you carry with you everything you're attached to mentally. That's attachment. You're not free mentally. Can you imagine carrying wherever you go? That's what we're doing, mental attachment. You understand when, with this example of physical attachment, <coughs> mental attachment, your mind is tied to everything you're attached to. If you want to enjoy anything, you have to be detached. Why only love your child? Why not all children? You have obligation to your child, yes. You have obligation to your family, but you can have feelings for all children, all humans, all animals, all beings. Universal love. Any questions? Put a thought. Really? Kindness. We've been waiting for you to, to for a couple of weeks now, so. Kindness is a feeling of tenderness, gentleness, a compassion, benevolent attitude of the mind, a noble emotion that renders the human species supreme, a fine trait that gives humans the spiritual edge. Kindness is like fragrance in a rose, an essential feature of religion. Religious practice without kindness or art is a mockery, and yet the much talked of religious stewards seem to ignore, much less possess the essence of spirituality. Without kindness, there can be no spiritual evolution. Ella Wheeler Wilcox presents this idea succinctly. So many gods, so many creeds, so many paths that wind and wind, while just the art of being kind is all the sad world needs.
Just the act of kindness is all one needs. It's what makes us different from animals, more higher, more supreme. Kindness is like the fragrance of the rose. It is the main component of religion, spirituality. You can't be spiritual without this quality. Kindness is like the fragrance of the rose. That in itself should make you think about what kindness is. Fragrance. A rose, what, what's the first thing that you do when you see a rose? You admire it and then smell it. So a person who's spiritual, kindness should be flowing out of that person as like a fragrance from the rose. Without that, there is no spirituality, no religion. So many gods, religions, rituals, so many practices. It's so complicated. This, and all you need is kindness. This is what this person is saying. Just the art of being kind is all the sad world needs. This is what makes a human being spiritual. So what is kindness? What is kindness? What can I do for you? Yeah, very good. I'm just asking what people think what kindness is. There's no right or wrong. Whatever it means to you is right. Empathy. Empathy. <coughs> Feeling for the other person. Kindness. Is it not just a portrayal of universal love? Universal, yeah. Ultimately, yes. Identification, once again. See, we all use these words. We're trying to understand what it actually means. You know, we're just dissecting it. It's a feeling from within. It's universal, isn't it? Because, because if you're identification is universal what you feel for yourself you'll feel for the mm. anything or everyone that you come across yeah so in other words then what is hatred what is the opposite of kindness We say, don't we? We, d I don't like, I, I don't like the French. Yeah. I hate the French. I hate the Italians. I hate my neighbour. 
did you love your neighbour at one time? Now you he didn't give your lawnmower back, you hate them. <laughs> <coughs> Kindness, universal. That's what, that's what we're, we're trying to expand on what we've talked about love. Kindness means universal. Being kind to everyone and everything. Meaning you're taking away hatred from within you. Hatred brings you agitations. If you're kind to everyone, where's the agitations? That feeling. If we're thinking, so for example, um, within your job role, you might come across as a kind individual to people you're supporting and working with. But it doesn't necessarily mean you love them. We are not saying we love them. We're saying showing empathy, <coughs> said, or showing that you care. If you have universal love, then there's no issues. You'll be kind to everyone, won't you? But love is your own feeling, isn't it? So, for example, my feeling of love towards an individual is very subjective, yeah? Whether I feel love or whatever mm -hmm. I feel. But with kindness, you're demonstrating it. It's no point me saying, I'm really kind to you, but actually you're falling down and I'm not helping you. Mm. So, so kindness is a doing thing to express it, whereas love is a feeling thing without any expression of... Let's, let's leave love out of it. We're complicating things. Yeah. Okay? Just leave kindness. Okay. Yeah? And you're absolutely right. It's an act of... Yeah. This is exactly what we're talking about. Same parallel. The concept of kindness has been gravely misconstrued in India. <coughs> they blunder in following the spiritual doctrine of ahimsa, ahimsa. non injury, non injury, and refuse to inflict any form of injury. They are more concerned about their act of kindness rather than thought of kindness. Shakespeare points out this human weakness in his play Hamlet when he advises that one needs to be sometimes cruel only to be kind. The Hindus have followed the doctrine of Ahimsa blindly. They have abstained from injuring anybody irrespective of the consequence occurring therefore even if that led to their own destruction later. This fanatic approach to life has rendered the Hindu race passive and vulnerable, a weakness that turned out to be a diabolical weapon in the hands of the oppressors and invaders, which was made use of to destroy the Indian tradition, culture and religion. So, in India, <coughs> they follow this, or they, they, I don't know about now, but they follow this idea of ahimsa meanings no non-injury. And I think they're still in some, I think, I can't remember which sect. Jain. They wear masks, they don't injure anything. Yeah. So, what they're saying is that it's actually detrimental. And the, the reason why we've had so many issues in India, so many foreign nations taking over, is because of this. It's a feeling inside, not necessarily action. 
it's not the act that counts, it's how you feel inside. When the Mughals wanted to take over India, what did they do? You know what they did? They line they lined up hundreds and thousands of cows between them and the opposite because they know they will not kill them. And that's how they managed to take over. Because they know the Indians Hindus will not kill the cow. And then they were oppressed. There's one way of them taking over. So we follow this idea of ahimsa, non-injury blindly, the same, which isn't, so we have to control it. We can't act on it, we have to control it with intellect. It's a feeling from within, it is internal, just not an external act. In India they followed external kindness, which allowed all the different countries to <coughs> rule India. It's not external that matters, it's internal. Sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind, cruel to be kind but you still have feelings but you have to act in an unkind way any, any examples when you're restricting your kids from going out sometimes yeah. if there's a I hate you dad cruel to be kind You don't love me. <laughs> if you love me, you'd buy me those shoes. <laughs> Example, a surgeon cuts someone's stomach back is cruel. But it's to save his life, cruel to be kind. Child needs a vaccination for his health. Child says, no, I don't want an injection, starts crying. Do you say don't take it? You have to be cruel to be kind. So it's not the expression, but the attitude of kindness. This is what we're talking about. Once again, we're talking about intellect controlling the mind. Yeah, the emotion has to be controlled. So that means assessing the situation. Child is crying. No, mom, no, mom, please don't let them give me my injection. But you, and you may feel for the child, but you know that it's for his greater good. Child may not talk to you for two days afterwards. So, cruel to be kind. So you have to, you, you'll say, Doctor, you know what, my, don't give it to my child. I can't see him in this pain. That's the wrong use of kindness. <coughs> you give some money to a beggar, but you're feeling no kindness to him, no identification, just an external act. Yeah, take. People have been begging so long here. But inside you feel, when are they going to get rid of all these beggars, man? That's not, it's just act of kindness, but inside you're feeling no kindness. Last paragraph. The epic mark. Mahabharata highlights this grave 
error and offers corrective measures. Wherein the great hero Arjuna was overwhelmed by a flood of emotion. He refused to injure and destroy his kith and kin, arrayed in the opposing forces. He would not fight and sought Krishna's advice. Krishna recharged Arjuna with a higher vision to fight for a noble cause, to revive righteousness in the state for which the war injury and destruction was inevitable. Arjuna corrected his vision. He rose, fought, and brought about enduring peace and happiness to the people. So he had to kill so many of his uncles and cousins and relatives. And you can say even though the act is of killing, underlining is of kindness. Because it was to store righteousness back in the whole land, leading to peace and happiness to his kingdom. So he had to act in a particular way, which uh, somebody else might think, look at that guy, he's killing so many. That's what, that's his uncle? But ultimately, what's he trying to do? Eradicate unrighteousness. So the millions of people living in, in that country can find peace and happiness for the greater good. <clears throat> he may have to act unkindly for the greater good. So it's not just the show act of kindness, it is what your intentions, your internal feelings are. Kindness should be a feeling within. Any questions? Food for thought. Still, these these things we don't we, we can't read we don't know where the, these great sages they looked within and they worked out what is this I'm feeling they evaluate they thought about it sitting in the cave in the Himalayas and they came out with the science of what this is all about so it's it's to their hard work and penance that we're we're rewarded with this knowledge and understanding. This is what we mean by the science of you, the human being, how you function. This is what we're talking about. We're expressing all these emotions, but are we, do we know what they are? They just flow from us without any thought behind it. Take a grip of it. You can buy 12 roses on Friday or one rose. What's the intention inside? That matters. <laughs>